Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. Welcome. If we haven't met before, my name is Andrew, and along with uh, my beautiful wife, Rebecca, we are delighted not just to lead this community, to be part of this community, uh, because who knows that there's something powerful when we can come together, when we can join together different people from different parts of the world, different age groups, generations, and unite under the person of Jesus. And that is a, that's a special thing in the world. It's a special thing in society. And we are so delighted that you're here today and spending your Sunday uh, with us. Well, um, I'm going to be finishing our series, which is called Expansion. And uh, before I jump in and preach this morning, I'd love if we could just bow our heads and uh, pray and just open our hearts to receive what God wants to do. Jesus, we come to you, and Lord, we come and we honour you that you are the giver of good, good gifts, that you are a giver of the Spirit, that you are a giver of the presence of God. Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, and that you would allow us to experience your love and the transforming power of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's a, there's a story in the Bible, in the New Testament, in a book of the Bible called Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, it is a story of the birth of the church, and it starts on the day of Pentecost. Now, some of you may know this story, and some of you may be newer to this story and may not have heard it before, but I want to tell you that it's a very, very unusual story. Have you ever realized how unusual the story of Acts and the day of Pentecost is? All right, so here's the scene. We've got... Uh, 120 people, and they have seen Jesus go up to heaven. And Jesus says, go to Jerusalem and wait for my power. You will receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses across all the world. And so these group of people, they, they wait and they pray. They pray for about 50 days. Who knows that a 50-day prayer meeting is probably on the longer side? You know, when you're like, you get inspired to pray for an hour and five minutes in, you're like, God, you got to do something here. 50 days is a long time. Now, usually the Jewish people, when they pray, they stand. If you've ever seen some pictures of um, pr- prayer in, in Jerusalem or the Wailing Wall, they will stand and they'll rock. So obviously the energy levels are a little lower and it, the Bible says they're actually sitting at the time of the day of Pentecost. Nothing wrong with it. But you see this picture of the city. Now, what else is unusual? They are led by a guy the name of Peter. If you understand that 90 days before, Peter has denied Jesus in a catastrophic way. He's made this bold declaration. He says, Jesus, if everyone else leaves you, I will never leave you. Then in Jesus' darkest moment, he betrays Jesus and he says, I don't know him. And he swears and he totally rejects Jesus. But that same Peter is the one that Jesus restored and is leading these people 
90 days later. Isn't that so amazing but also unusual? And so they're praying, and as they're praying, there's this sound of a rushing wind that comes in, and there's fire that comes down and separates individually on each head. Isn't that that unusual? And the commotion is so loud that people start running. Have you ever been in in a situation or an open area and you hear a commotion? Or you hear a crash. I was um, having lunch, this is a couple of years ago, with Ethan. Most of you know Ethan in, in our church. And we're having lunch just at this burger place. And a Tesla automatically reverse parks into a dentist. And so we hear this um, commotion. And the, the Tesla has got, if you know much about electric uh, cars and the Tesla, it's got so much torque, it's got so much power that it actually pushes a car right angles this way, pushes another car that way, reverses into the dentist and the person that's in the car is the dentist that owns the dentist. And so there's a commotion and everyone gets up and starts to go and see and that's what we did and this is what's happening in the story of Acts. There's a, the sound of the rushing wind is not just like for the people in the room, it's people all around are like, what is this commotion? Do you know what happens when they arrive? Now, the, the people are, are filled with the Spirit and they start speaking in this heavenly language. But as they come in, the people hear the, their own language. So they come up and people are, are run, running up. And then what do they hear? They, say, they hear, hola, buenos dias. Is that Okay. My Spanish friends, Colombians. That's what they hear, right? And they, they, they maybe they, they hear some sawadi kap, tukonda kap, prajau yingai. That's Thai. I said, God is great. And this is what they hear. Isn't that unusual? And then the people come in, they hear this commotion, they hear these people talking in all these languages, and they think, oh, they're just drunk. Now, Peter, the leader who had denied Jesus 90 days ago, what does he say to them? He doesn't say, well, actually, let let me explain. So Christians can drink, but in moderation because we're filled with the Spirit. He doesn't say that. He says it's too early to be drunk. It's just a simpler explanation. He says it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. And then Peter begins to quote without any notes, Without any preparation, he delivers one of the most amazing sermons in the Bible. I encourage you to read it for yourself. And he quotes from Joel chapter 2. So Joel is a prophet hundreds of years before. And this is what Peter says. He says, this is what Joel spoke about. Now, this is fascinating. You can do this in your, your own time. When he quotes Joel, he makes three changes. And the three changes, the, you, you can have a look. It's very easy to do. Joel chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, you can compare them yourselves. But it, the, the essential effect of these three changes are this. Because of Jesus, Jesus is the one who has been spoken about. He is the messianic fulfillment. Jesus is God and Jesus has brought us into a new season and a new time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
And he says, we're part of it. We're witnessing the beginning of that. We're in this age. We're in this time. We're in this spiritual and supernatural season. And here's what he says in Acts chapter 2. They're not drunk. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So let me break this down for you. In the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, when God visit, visited, when his presence came down, it was a few people, a few chosen people at a few chosen times. This is how God used to visit in the Old Testament before Jesus. And when his presence came down, there was fire and there was wind. And when his presence came down, people heard his voice and they saw things. They saw God and they heard God. In the story of, of the Bible and King Solomon in Second Chronicles chapter 7, he was the person that God appointed to build the temple. And so he built the first temple. There were two. And he built the first temple and the temple was magnificent. It had the best wood. Parts of the temple were covered in pure gold. It was this amazing place. And so they built this amazing structure. And then King Solomon prayed. And when he prayed, there was the fire of God came down one place at one time. And there were a group of priests and they began to fall under the power of God. And the glory of God, and that was a very special occasion. Afterwards, King Solomon, one person at one time, has an encounter with God where he sees God and he hears God and God renews a covenant with him, an agreement with him. If we fast forward about a thousand years from that time, in, in this what is happening here, God is saying, hey, remember that time where the fire came down in one place, one time, just a few chosen people, just a few chosen times. I'm doing that now. And that same thing that was happening for just a few is available to everyone. Isn't this significant? And the fire that inhabited that temple, we get this picture not as a fire coming down on a room, but this idea is of fire coming down, separating every person that was in that room had the fire of God on them. Isn't that amazing? And he begins to say, the Apostle Peter begins to say, look, it's for everyone. What does he say? Men and women, young and old, sons and daughters. And the the spirit that is available is not just a smattering. If you, if you think about the Old Testament and how many times over thousands of years God interrupted human history with his presence and his voice, not, not that many. Not that many that is recorded in the Old Testament over thousands of years. Just a few chosen people. 
But Peter is saying that which was available to a few is available in abundance to everyone. It is an outpouring. It's not a sun shower, it's a downpour. It's a soaking. There is so much available to us. Now, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is defined by giving us three things. And we see this here. The three things are this, vision, visions, dreams, and prophecy. Now, these three things are essentially the same thing. And I'll unpack this a little bit. They're essentially the same thing. And they have this purpose. And what is the purpose? The purpose is to reveal God. The purpose is to give you and I an understanding and an experience of God. And when we understand God, He just He reveals Himself to us, He reveals His nature to us. But what else does He reveal? He reveals His plan for us, He reveals His purpose for us, He reveals our identity that is with him and belongs to him. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And in the Old Testament, as I said, a few chosen people at a few chosen times had supernatural experiences. They saw and they heard the things of God. They experienced an understanding and that changed their life. It changed their location. It changed their destiny. Think about Moses. Moses encounters uh, the presence of God in a fire, in a burning bush that is not consumed. In that encounter, God says, I want you to go back to Egypt with a prophetic message to declare that my people need to get out of here and take those people out. Think about this, the person Deborah, Judges chapter 4. God gives her a message to fight and she becomes part of that. Think about this. Think about Abraham. God takes him and says, look at the stars in the sky. That's as many as, as numerous as your descendants can be. Do you know that same, th those are epic stories, but I want to encourage you that the same spirit is alive within you and God's interruption, his revelation to your life is of that same proportion, each and every one of us. There are no levels. It's not like, okay, Gwendy, we've got Gwendy over here, okay? Pretty much at the top level, right? Anyone knows Gwendy? She's amazing. All right, we've got Twinkie. Oh, is Twinkie even probably up there, right? Higher, okay. And then Andrew, look, he has some good days. He has some bad days. If you get him on a good day. It doesn't work like that with God. Because the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the Bible says it is the greatest gift and it is available through Jesus Christ. Jesus allows us access into it. And the issue is not God's open heaven over us. It's our ability to partner with the Spirit. But God actually helps us do that. And one of the ways that he helps us to do that is the release within us of vision, dreams, and prophecy. Let me just do a little bit of a side note about prophecy. 
when we when most people talk about prophecy, we think that prophecy is mainly about speaking. Prophecy in the Bible is not predominantly about speaking. Prophecy is predominantly about listening. Because you can, there is no such thing as a prophecy, as a, as, a, as a Christian prophecy or a biblical prophecy that is not a message from God. So prophecy is not predominantly about speaking. Prophecy is about listening, and then prophecy is about agreeing, and then prophecy is about declaring. So when the Bible says here we've got visions with what you see, we've got dreams, which is in your subconscious, and also we've got prophecy. Prophecy is saying you're going to see things, you're going to hear things, and your imagination is going to be captured. This is what it's saying to us. And vision is so powerful because vision moves us. You know, vision captures our imagination. There's a, a famous uh, French author, Anton de Saint-Jupéry, and he wrote this uh, uh, book. The book that he's most famous for is called The Little Prince. And this is an idea about vision. Read this quote here. He says, if you want to build a ship, ship that was a close call, <laughs> but I said shift, luckily. Don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. This is the power of vision. When you get something in your imagination, when you get a message, when you get a picture of a future, it begins to do something that no external motivation Sure, you've got to have a plan, but if you have a plan without a vision, it's all hard work. If you have a vision, there's this drive, there's this intrinsic motivation. Vision moves us. Now, I've heard of research that's been done with doctors where doctors need to communicate to their patients about important life change that they need to make. So, for example, they need to say, look, if you don't stop smoking right now, you're going to pass away in six months. Or you're an alcoholic and you need, if you don't stop drinking, you're going to come to an early death. Or if it's a change in diet, any kind of major habit lifestyle change, most often, according to the research I was looking at, people rarely do that. If they say, you're going to die, People rarely do that unless they tap in to vision. So if they say to people, okay, you need to stop eating all this fried food because your heart is going to um, explode, rather than that, they say to a granddad or a, or a father, are you going to be around to walk your daughter down the aisle? Or are you going to be around to hold your grandchild? And what they've found is the actual vision of a picture is what is needed to move them and motivate them to get out of bad habits and into transformation. Vision moves us. Now, vision does something. It does something in here, in our will, in our heart, in our deepest emotions, and it also does something here that not 
only points us but propels us. So vision moves us. And why does it move us? Because as human beings, we live to what we want. Let me say that again. We live towards what we want, what we really want, what we really value in here. And in here, we are motivated towards. And so vision moves us. The other thing that vision does is vision directs us. Proverbs 29, it says, verse 8, it says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Can I just take a moment to talk to the sisters with long hair? If, you've, if you're a sister here and you've got long hair, all right, here's, here's the picture. The picture, the word picture in this particular proverb is this. Just imagine you got your hair out and you go out to Sandgate and it's blowing a gale and your hair is flying everywhere. Who's experienced that? Okay, there's some reluctant, there's some guys with very short hair putting their hands up. This is the picture in the, the Proverbs. The, the word, the Hebrew word picture is hair going everywhere. It's what it's saying is that when you have no vision, you're all over the place. Have you ever been in a seasons of life where you're like, I, I have no direction, I have no vision? Yeah, I'm going to do this. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. And what God is saying is that the vision is actually what allows us to move forward. And without vision, we are all over the place. We have scattered priorities. Without vision, you are unprepared because you don't know what to prepare for. Without vision, you miss opportunities. And without vision, you give up on the things that matter most. And vision is a universal human principle. I've given some examples of how anybody can use vision in their life and why we need vision. But this passage that we're studying is not just talking about our capacity for imagination. It's about God breaking into our imagination. It takes the idea of vision and elevates it to the prophetic level where God interrupts even sometimes God interrupts good vision and gives better vision. Sometimes God interrupts our vision of the good life and gives a vision of a God life. And there is something that happens. And you know what I want to say? It's available to every single one of you. Whether you've been a Christian for uh, three months, six months, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, whatever, the presence of God is available to break in, to capture our hearts, to capture our ears. There's a story, one of my favorite stories from 2 Kings chapter 6, a story of Elisha the prophet. So he was a prophet. He was someone who heard from God. And so Elisha the prophet he is um, the Aramites, uh, this 
neighbouring uh, country are at war and are warring with Israel. And God is giving Elisha prophetic insight into where they're going to be, where they're going to attack, so much so that they think they've got a mole or a spy or an insider. And they say, hey, have we got someone that's spying, that's telling all our secrets? And they say, no, it's not that. It's Elisha. So they send an army to Elisha to surround his house. And they say, we're going to destroy him. Now, Elisha's there. He's as cool as a cucumber. He's just relaxed. But his servant, who sees all these armies around, starts to get upset. Do you know what Elisha says to him? We see this in 2 Kings chapter 6. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Sounds logical. I'm not sure. I'd hope I'd be more like Elisha than the servant. And then Elisha prayed this, Open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. In this story, God broke in and said, don't just see just with the human eyes, but learn to see, learn to understand, begin to partner with a revelation that allows you to see the world differently and to see uh, the world in a way that you can see God moving all around you. And I want to tell you this morning, that God is releasing prophetic vision to us here. God is releasing prophetic vision to us as a church. We're in a season of expansion. How do things happen in expansion? One of the first things that God does is God begins to give people vision. Now, in this church, we believe that we are called to be a prophetic community. Do you know what that means? It means that we don't just rely on my, me hearing the voice of God. I tell you what, I'm going to hear the voice of God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God. But I want to say that the same spirit that's going to speak to me is going to confirm to you what I'm saying because we are all under the authority of God, not under the authority of my vision. We're here to do what God has called us to do uniquely as a church. And so I want to encourage us in this season of expansion just to open our hearts, just to create some space and say, God, what do you want to say? Not just for me, but what do you want to say for our church? How can we see our future in the way that you've called us to see it? See how that's so powerful? When we do that, what often happens is our own wants, needs, desires, they just start to fade and God's heart for people, 
God's heart for the city begins to be increased. This is awesome. So let me give you some quick questions here. Do you have a clear vision of God? Is it becoming increasingly clear? Are you seeing God clearly? Are you seeing yourself the way that God sees you? Are you seeing your circumstances the way God sees them? Do you have a clear and increasingly clear sense of your calling and your purpose in life? Are you inclining your ear to hear the voice of God? This is what happens. Who can hear the voice of God? Anyone who's willing to listen. It's been my experience in my life and ministry. Let me just say a couple of more things before we're going to take a couple of moments to take communion together. What opposes prophetic vision? What wants to stop prophetic vision in your life? I would say simply everything. Your, our whole culture, your successes, your failures, your busyness, everything is opposed to you getting God's vision. I believe it. You know, even our culture, let's rewind maybe about two years ago, one of the greatest cultural messages that we had during the pandemic was the best thing that you can do for the world is stay home. The best thing that you can do for the world is nothing. Don't even go out and exercise. That could be unsafe. Don't even go outside with other people. That could be unsafe. And this message that is opposed to the message of God, because the message of God is the best thing that you can do is seek my plan, my purpose, to start to pray, to start to incline your ear, to start to open your heart, to start to open your vision, to start to dream big dreams in partnership with God. Do you know that I believe that this week you're going to have opportunities to allow the prophetic vision of God to be released in your life? Here's one of the opportunities. You're in a conversation and someone starts to run down the conversation and maybe someone starts to um, speak ill of you and someone starts to say, oh, well, you, you know, you, you'll never make it. You'll, you'll never, you know, you don't have enough or you're, you're never going to get out of your current circumstance. And there's going to be something of the vision of God that rises within you and you just say, no, I don't think that's true. I think that, my, that God's plans and God's future for my life are bright. I think that God is going to provide my every need. I don't know how he's going to do it but I know he's going to do it. I don't believe that my past is the same as my future because God's presence is available and alive in me. Others of you are actually going to see in the supernatural dimension. Now you might say, well, that's a funny thing to say. I don't think that we can believe the Bible unless we put on the table the fact that sometimes God gives certain people at certain times um, insight into supernatural realms. I personally haven't seen angels. I know lots of people that have. I'm just saying it could happen, and it could happen to you. God wants to break in to your life. 
He wants to break in. And I want to encourage you, the headline of encouragement is prophetic vision is available to me. Prophetic vision is to anyone who will seek God, to anyone who will say, hey, God, you've included me, now I include myself. I put the guard down and I say, God, have your way in me and in my life. Under your seat, you'll see a, uh, a little cup. Now, if you are a believer of Jesus, um, I encourage you to, to join in and, and take this within us. You can crack those, you can get the crinkle out of the way. There's two layers there. going to be running a short course on opening a communion cup it's a six easy sessions with afternoon tea provided it's that's a joke not one of the ones you laugh at but nonetheless a joke (laughs) do you know that jesus he instructed the church to take communion in remembrance of him. What should we remember when we come to Jesus? Well, we should start at the cross. We should remember the sacrifice. We should remember the inclusion. But I believe that we should also remember the vision that God has invited us to be part of. I wonder in that group, 120 people in that prayer meeting. I wonder if they ever thought, oh, this is a pretty good group. Like we like each other. We've all met Jesus. We've seen him. Why don't we just, let's just stay in this group. This is a good community. No. Do you know why? Because they had a vision. They had heard the words of God that says, each and every one of you are called to go wherever I tell you to witness what were they called? to witness the resurrected Jesus so that when people see them they would see Jesus I wonder can I challenge you on this is that part of your vision for your life as a follower of Jesus that when people meet you they say I don't know. There's there's something about that. I was talking to one of the families in the soccer team that I coach and they've just moved from, from New South Wales and they said, we had a friend. We had another friend who was a Christian. And they said, she had tattoos. I didn't think she was going to be a Christian. But when I got to know her, I, I knew she was a real, she lived what she talked about. I wonder, can we be stirred by that vision? Could that vision capture our imagination? Could that vision be part of our future? Let's pray together. What I want you to do right now is just to uh, take this wafer. This reminds us of a number of things the body that was broken 
for us. For our past to give us peace with God, but also to release us into a great future. So why don't you take this wafer right now, thanking Jesus for what he's done. Let's take it together. In a similar way, we're going to take the cup reminding us of the blood that was shed. Everybody, anyone who calls, this famous sermon of the Apostle Peter says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who? Anyone. God, we thank you that we are the anyone. Why don't you take that with thanksgiving? Jesus, we thank you. Before we go, we're going to have a moment where I want to give you a kickstarter into your week to allow God to speak to you. Some of you, he's going to encourage you. Some of you, he's going to say, hey, you haven't been thinking very well about yourself. You haven't been talking very well about yourself. I want to say that you are loved. You are valued. You have a bright future. For others of you, God is going to give you a picture of your future. He's maybe going to give you a picture of someone to share Jesus with whatever. We're going to take a moment just as a kickstarter, just a minute, just to get that flow. And then I want to encourage you this week, have that on your prayer list. Why don't you do that? So just begin to seek God. that God has called us to be a church that meets people's needs in the city where people are crying out without hope, without future. And God is saying, we get to be the ones 
to be part of what God's doing. All these people who are lost, who are seeking something outside of themselves, God's saying, I'm getting you ready as a church to be the ones to meet them, to encourage them, to invite them into the things of God. This is wonderful. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your presence available to everyone every day, not just in a little measure, but in a greater measure. Lord, we pray this week that we would be a church of the outpouring of the Spirit, the presence of God in the greatest measure. We declare it over our lives. We declare it over our minds, our imaginations. And Lord, we thank you that you are alive within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church.